check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Transmitting high atop of Florida's Peninsula at 108 feet. This is Alpha Mike, and you are listening to episode 223, Tony Ducks, as we continue on the Wise Guy series. Since the beginning of the year, we did up to, I believe, five or six uh, outlaw motorcycles, big five episodes, and... Um, they all kind of start and end the same, you know what I mean? They all have the same type of element as how they live in society. So after a while, it kind of gets boring because I'm going to tell you the same thing over and over again. So we took a little pause in that, and we are going to dedicate to the remainder of the year to the Lucchese crime family. And we're going to start with the first boss after the name of the family, Tommy Lucchese. So after Thomas Lucchese dies, this is the individual that takes over. Tony Ducks Corallo, and he's going to be part of this episode today. As always, how to get in contact with us? Well, it's easy, RaiderCop.com. You can hear all our episodes from 1 to 223. RaiderCopNation.com is our official website where you can get more information. Social media, we're on there. Look us up, RaiderCop, RaiderCopNation, or RaiderCop Podcast, and you'll find us. All with the exception of Twitter and LinkedIn we got rid of that garbage, so you won't find us there. Where can you hear the podcast? Wherever you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Google. Wherever you get your podcast, look us up, Rate a Cop, you can find us. You got Uncle Joe's old gun. He left it to you. It's been in the drawer forever, collecting dust and rust. Kind of hard to get a gun nowadays. So I got the guy that can restore that gun, that old gun from Uncle Joe, and make it look brand new. Pistol Pete the Gunsmith down in Miami. Give him a call, go over the particulars with him, and he'll tell you how easy it is. Information's down in the bottom of the show notes. Are you in the New Jersey area or Philadelphia area and you want to get gun training? Well, contact Kilo Sierra. Information is down in the show notes as well. And if you're in Florida or you're a new arrival to Florida and you just got your new brand new gun and you don't know how it works, what's what's the story with this hole here and this thing here? Well, call me or send me a message right from the website, RaiderCopNation.com. It says contact us right there. And, uh, 
even if I'm not in that specific area, I'll hook you up with an instructor in the wonderful state of Florida. As you know and I know, we have this new skit that we do now on Raider Podcast, Raider Cop Podcast, and that is the Bolshevik states of woke, living in it. And it's sad. You know, I've said it repeatedly. I've limited them down to three elements or three stories every episode because they're depressing. There's nothing good in the White House. There's nothing good in the swamp. It's all garbage. It's depressing. And then you got to read the articles and the, the media salivating over Joe Biden as the greatest thing. It's horrible. But we're going to go through the three stories. And then we get a new edition. I'm going to start wrapping it up with a new edition of a joke. Why? I can't, I just can't do it any longer. I can't leave you in that depressed state. So I'll do a little joke, maybe snap you out of it, and then we'll go into the main topic. So without uh, any further ado, it's time to get our Bolshevik friends up and running on Episode 223. The Soviet Union will be pleased to offer amnesty to your wayward vessel. The Soviet Union? I thought you guys broke up. Yes, that's what we wanted you to think. <laughs> this week's story we review President Joe Biden went to Tulsa, Oklahoma site of the massacre that occurred 100 years ago. It is a tragedy. Over 300 people died. But there he is, Uncle Joe, and the Bolsheviks race hustling once again. And the media drooling all over themselves. You would think he walked on water. He rose Lazarus from the dead or he cured the blind man into seeing no it's Joe Biden he went to Tulsa Oklahoma site of the massacre race hustling 101 you can find this story on a gazillion media sites because it's the second coming of God Sad, but true. Here's another article. Biden taps Harris. Not my words. It's in. It's it's the headlines. Biden taps Harris to lead fight expanding voters' rights. He can't make this stuff up, folks. Every almost every media outlet has the same line. Biden taps Harris. You don't think they're colluding, do you? Nah, they wouldn't. They're trying to figure out, what the hell, the Republicans are changing all the laws, what do we do now? Camilla! And our last article brings us to negative Nancy Pelosi. She rules out having Biden create a January 6th commission. Really? 
this fool actually wanted to do a witch hunt. Now, let me give you a little one-on-one criminal justice common sense. Don't do a civil review in the way of a criminal proceedings because all your defendants will walk scot-free. These people, my friends, are a bunch of buffoons. But that's living in the Bolshevik states of woke. It's miserable, my friends. It doesn't get any worse. It's consistently getting bad. But there's nothing more than I can do but read these three shameful stories every episode to enlighten you, the American citizen, of the atrocities that the living in Bolshevik states of woke is really all about. It's about them. It's about their nonsense. It's about their world, their creation of a reset America, their notion of us poor folks all sharing in equality under one happy umbrella. You're nuts. Just tell any Venezuelan, Cuban, Vietnamese people, they'll all tell you. Even our China people, they'll tell you. Communists are a bunch of goofs. Continue to know that these stories are going to keep on landing on us like missiles. It's constant incoming every week, my friends. It doesn't stop. And as long as the stupidity in the White House continues, we will continue here on Radar Cop Podcast telling you the three stories of the week that Uncle Joe and Aunt Camilla have created chaos in the Bolshevik states of woke. But now we got another segment that we're going to start doing, and that's called the joke of the week or the episode, the joke of the episode. So here we go. We'll try that out. Here we go. Ready? And by the way, as an added bonus, I've added two jokes. Eh, just to, you know, start things off. We'll start off with the first joke to make it a little bit, you know, get you in the mood. Here we go. How do dog catchers get paid? By the pound. <laughs> Second joke. It gets better, folks. Come on. Be, be positive. Two dog owners are arguing about whose pet is smarter. My dog is so smart, says the first owner, that every morning he goes to the store and buys me a sesame seed bagel with cream cheese, stops over at Starbucks and picks up some mocha latte, and then comes home, turns on ESPN, all before I get out of bed. And the second owner says, I know. How do you know that, says the first owner. My dog told me. What can I tell you? It's just to get you in the mood. All right, so fear not, we also have the word of the week, which it's time to enlighten us and strengthen us as we go into episode 223. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John 3.17. And you can hear more about what I've read. Of course, we remind you right on RaiderCopNation.com as you click on the, that says uh, current and uh, future shows. Something like that's the title. I don't even I don't even remember to be honest with you. Show and upcoming, current and upcoming shows, and you will see as the window pops pops up, it will show you all the series that we do. And there's one that says A Wall Monday. Click on that, and you can hear what we all these verses that we read. We do a small little segment of thirty minutes or less on what this word means. So we encourage you because with this, you have God as your backup and you can succeed in all things because he told us. It's time to leave the gun and take the cannolis. Episode 223, Tony Ducks. I am excited because we are going to examine for the next six months the Lucchese crime family. Of course, we previously did an episode on Thomas Lucchese, which is the name of the current family. Now, of course, it did not originate that way. And the family was known as the Gagliano family, 1931. 1931 will always be our point of reference. You know, we can go into the black hand and talk about uh, organized crime in the 20s, but the current Costa Nostra was formulated in 1931. So at that time, Loki Luciano divides the current Costa Nostra into five families, and one of them was the Gagalano family. Thomas Lucchese would be underboss to that family from 1931 all the way to 1951, and then take over from 1951 as boss until 1967, which was the date he died. But from inception, Thomas Lucchese was the front boss. He was the boss that everybody saw. Gagliano decided to take a very hidden position, never being in the limelight. And it was by design. Mostly, he feared that he would be eliminated and he did not like the other bosses on the commission because they didn't come from the same area of Sicily that he had come from. So therefore, he said, out of sight, out of mind, and he allowed Thomas uh, Lucchese to govern things for him. 
1967, Thomas Lucchese dies. He's the real, the only boss that the family really knew from inception. As I said, the real boss from 31 to 51, 20 years, was almost secluded. And uh, so people dealt with Tommy Lucchese. And here it is, 1967. And he chooses, uh, before he dies, uh, Tony Ducks Corallo. Now, there is a myth out there that a boss on his dying bed like Carlo Gambino will say, this is my successor, and then they drop dead, and that happens. Now, in the case of Carlo Gambino with Paul Castellano, that's exactly what happened because the captains will vote upon a new boss, which is the actual rule. And in Carlos Gambino's case, they chose and elected to go with that. In Tommy Lucchese's case, his administration said he had picked Tony Ducks and the captains also gave the nod for Tony Ducks. Now, he would not become the boss officially just then because of indictments that were coming down and a short prison stint that he had to do. But eventually he would. We'll get with that in a little bit. But born Anthony Corallo, February 12, 1913 in East Harlem. By the 1920s, Tony Ducks would join the 107th Street Gang in East Harlem, with his first arrest being in 1921 for grand larceny. He would join the Gagolano crime family by 1935. And at the time, the underboss, as we know, was Tommy's, Thomas Lucchese. Lucchese would recruit and replace Tony Ducks at, under Johnny Dio. Now, he comes in, he demonstrates Tony Ducks, 1935, that he has the ability to earn, and he also has the ability that he's astute. But Tommy Lucchese, being smart, he was the administrator of the family, said, I'm going to take these young guys that are coming in to becoming made members and we're going to pair them up with people that know what they're doing. So eventually they grow into these positions. He did just that and by placing Tony Ducks with Johnny Dio and he was introduced to two important rackets that the Lucchese family would control and still control to this day and that is the labor racket in regards to unions and the garment district, also a big union thing. By 1943, uh, Tony Ducks would make capo, the rank of capo, at the age of 30 and move to Queens. So here he is, he's 30 years old, they're already making him a captain. He did his little stint under Johnny Dio which was his captain at the time, 
learn the racket, learn the garment district, learn how the unions worked. And now he's a captain and he's moving over to new territory, which was in Queens. He would control five chapters of the Teamsters and one AFL-CIO chapter as well. These chapters would produce millions of dollars for Little Casey Cram family. In 1961, Tony Ducks would be charged with bribery of a judge. He won the case that he was originally arrested for, but he couldn't beat the bribery and got three years for that. Because to show you crime doesn't pay. He understood, Tony Ducks understood what power was and his understanding of controlling unions, controlled companies, controlled the money flow, controlled the power. He would go on understanding all these roles and create an industry in the garbage business. And they would control the garbage business. He would create the private sanitation was the name of their association. And all garbage collectors had to belong to this association paid dues, which basically meant that that, uh, the routes you had to bid on and all that would be controlled by Costa Nostra. It made them even more millions of dollars. Tony Ducks would go on to control the airport and specifically John F. Kennedy Airport, JFK, again by controlling the unions. <coughs> it was important because the unions gave him the ability to control the industry. When Tony Ducks had been introduced to the airport, he immediately had his inside guy in the union, a guy by the name of Cosmo Rosado. Now, we're going to have an episode with him in the future. But he was a Cuban guy, and he controlled the union that was in charge of transportation, terminals, and commissary for the airport. This would give the Mukasey crime family and access to millions more dollars as they're pouring in. He would also have a vision that he wanted to expand the Lucchese crime family into New Jersey. And although mafia historians have criticized that Tony Ducks was not even collecting a tax on the New Jersey crews as evidence when the other boss would take over, the Jersey crews were almost not paying anything. But it got to a point, and this is interesting, when the family makes so much money, the tribute that they would get from, let's say, the Jersey crew would not make them or break them. Therefore, not being greedy like other bosses were, Corallo understood it wasn't important. They were making so much money 
on their side. They didn't care about the jersey. They wanted the power. So they expanded it and they blessed it. When the other bosses came in, they wanted the money, not the power. They said they'd take the power by force. A different way of thinking. And this is important, and we're going to have this as a theme in all our episodes, that the Lucchese crime family is very much molded in the image of the Genovese crime family. And that's attributed to Tommy Lucchese. Now remember that Lucky Luciano in 1931 would create the five families. Of course, one of them named Luciano and his name, and the other one would be Gagliano with Tommy Lucchese being the underboss. But early on, Luciano noticed that Lucchese had brains. Lucchese had learned his trade very well from Jewish gangsters. He knew things that regular mafioso didn't know. And so that allowed both families to grow. It's well documented that Prior to Prohibition dying out in the 30s, Luciano sat down with Lucchese and they discussed what other rackets would they come up with when alcohol became legal again. So Thomas Lucchese was a forward thinker. Everybody that he would build up in his organization as underboss for 20 years and as boss for 17 years. That's a long time as being high and mighty. He'd make sure that those people had the same mindset. You also see that in stories like Vincent the Chin Gigante, that there was uh, an event where he was brought a large amount of money. I don't know the exact amount, but it was a huge amount of money. And Chen started telling the person that brought it, what am I going to do with all that? You know, look, I don't want it. Take it and divvy it up and give it to the captains. And then they give it it to the guys in the crews. Because it it gets to a point when you got millions upon millions upon millions of dollars that you don't need it. So they were spreading their wealth around. Today you got flashy, or in passing the John Gotti era, the more the merrier, the more money, the more they wasted in gambling, and parties, and womenizing, etc. But not in savvy business approach. Carl Gambino. Is not known for hanging out in social in social clubs and partying and womanizing. Nor was Tommy Lucchese. Nor was Tony Dux Corallo. These are old school gangsters that their only mission was to create millions for the organization, not the individual. And Tony Dux did that 
with his expansion of the Jersey Group. He'd go on to be criticized through mafia historians, like I told you. But in actuality, Tony Ducks, he did have a successor. He did want to do it the proper way, just like he had gotten a nod from the boss prior to that and approved and sanctioned by the captains. His choice, a gentleman by the name of Lugano, was not the choice of others, and so they got rid of him. Bang, bang, he's gone. And uh, it's 1984, 85. Tony Ducks now is in the commission case. It looks dismal. Their attorneys had told each family boss, and Tony Ducks was no different, that they were going to get 100 years. 100 year sentence. He wasn't gonna fight City Hall, he wasn't gonna fight these thugs that were in his family. And so he gave the blessing and things would change after Tony Ducks. I'm sure that Tony Ducks knew it was a mistake putting the people that he had would have eventually put in there, and mostly because they weren't front thinkers like he was. They weren't brought up in Costa Nostra like he was. And today, there are not many families that think like this. Today, the Costa Nostra is trying to reinvent itself. There is one family that is never lost focus. It's not the Lucchese family. And it's not the Gambinos. It's not the Columbos, not the Bananos. It's the Genovese family. Old school thinking. Today, a lot of them want to think like that. Greed has its ultimate deception. Tony Ducks knew this. Now, of course, in the commission case, Tony Ducks would have a lot of embarrassment, just like the other bosses. His Jaguar was bugged by the FBI. And as duly noted recently in an interview on YouTube, and I'll attach it to the show notes, Rudy Giuliani which was the U.S. prosecutor in the commission case in the 80s, basically said that he knew he had to get evidence and he had to bug these mafia bosses, but this was not going to be easy. And the regular FBI agent investigating the mafia at that point, they did not have that bugging experience. So Rudy Giuliani, for the first time, would tap into a resource in another section of the FBI, counterintelligence. These people were bugging communists, spies, Russians. These people knew how to do bugs and do all kinds of stuff. These were like CIA type of covert actions. And uh, recently, Rudy 
said that that's how they became so successful. This team would take a Jaguar, just like Tony Ducks Corallo's Jaguar. His driver, Sal Avellino, at the time was a soldier. He would later become a couple in the Lucchese crime family. He was in possession of the car, and the car, when he was not driving it, was locked in a behind the fence with attack dogs and this whole nine yards. So the FBI and the counterintelligence team, they took a Jaguar just like that, they purchased it, and they practiced putting the bugging device on the dashboard, and they had to do it in less than a couple of minutes. They got better and better and better at it, and then they had to wait for the opportunity. The opportunity would come one day in a rainstorm when Sal Avellino would drop off Tony Duck's Corallo in front of the restaurant because it was raining for him not to get wet. He parked the car in valet, and the valet guys would just dump the car and run away because of the rainstorm. Nobody was paying attention. And it gave the FBI counterintelligence guys the two minutes they badly needed to bug Tony Duck's Corallo's car. And a wealth of information would pour out of that car. How they control the unions, what was happening with the unions. Tony Ducks was infamous for taking over Teamster unions. He was friendly with Jimmy Hoffa, but Jimmy Hoffa was just a method to the madness. They had no loyalty to him. Tony Ducks would make millions and millions of dollars, but not so much personally. I'm sure his family was very well taken care of when he passed and he died in prison because he would get a hundred year sentence in his trial. He would eventually understand the crime did not pay because like all of Costa Nostra people, they either end up dead or in prison. Not too many of them die of old age. Corallo had power, had money, and had brains. This is why I wanted to introduce the Lucchese crime family. We're going to continue looking at this interesting family how they control these industries. Now, I did tell you the successor to Tony Ducks was not the one that Tony Ducks originally wanted, and to be honest with you, it was a catastrophe. It was head on into the John Gotti era with more leadership stupidity in mafia history. But these industries that they control would survive all this mess because that's how good the forebearers were, the Tony Ducks Corallo and the Tommy Lucchese's. There was money coming in like water out of a spigot. It wouldn't stop. And no matter how bad the leader was, it'd keep on flowing. They would control Teamster unions, 
course, AFC, AFL, CIO, as we said, they would create industries like garbage. So a lot of the forethinking of Thomas Lucchese was, I want to control an industry. Once I control the industry, I want that industry to be dependent on Close I'll give you an example. The garment district. So they get into the garment district. Lucchese starts controlling the unions that controls the actual market as far as how much people are going to get paid. Once everybody's even, then I start getting dues money collected from all these garment people. And then I tell them, stop, you can't move your merchandise if you don't do it from our trucks. And our garbage people pick up your garbage. And you buy coffee from our coffee guy and for your offices. And you use copy paper from this vendor they were controlling every aspect. So the garment district, as an example, would be a funnel of money, a hose with a bunch of outlets just pouring money out. And no matter how bad the other leaders that would come after these people, they couldn't stop the flow of money, which still keep on coming in. Of course, never at the successful rate of a Tony Ducks Corolla. Low-profile boss that you never saw his face in the newspaper. If it wasn't for the commission case, a lot of people really didn't know who he was. And he wasn't out showboating on a night on the town. Look at me. I'm a crime boss. Old-school guy. Walked around, wore a little sweater, and uh, was perfectly content sitting at home. Driver would pick him up in the morning, and they'd go out and create business, go right back home, quiet night with the family. In the gaudy age, a lot of these bosses were waking up at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. What the hell were they going to do? What were they going to create waking up at 4 o'clock in the afternoon? Now, speaking on creating, we're going to create a lot more content on the Lucchese Grand family. Our next episode will be on Wise Guy series. It's going to be June 30th, and that is titled The Candy Store. And we're going to take you to Corona, Queens. There was a candy store called Mr. Brown's Candy Store that would run an entire section in Queens called Corona and also parts of Elmhurst, Flushing, Jackson Heights. They would control from a small little candy store. We're, I'm going to take the opportunity and read you real quick some of the other stories that I'm going to be looking at during these six months. We're going to be doing... Uh, about 12 shows and we're going to be doing one on the Black Brothers 
and the interesting pair of brothers that ruled in the Corona, Queens area. The captain in the Lucchese family by the name of Coco. The French Connection, the movie. I'm sure you may have heard about it or seen it. But the movie The French Connection with Gene Hackman was the Lucchese crime family was the mafia family behind all that. Joe Narrow, La, La Rautro, he was the gambling king of Corona. And a lot of other businesses that were there were in, they were controlled. The concrete business was another industry that they were controlled. And we're also going to look at the Jersey crew of the Lucchese Corran family. What Corallo built and how strong they were that they'd end up in Philadelphia. And they would make millions over there. Again, as I told you, Corallo wasn't interested in their money. Now you might say, well, come on, that's foolishness. All bosses want money. Again, I point to the story with Vincent Gigante, where he turns down a whole suitcase full of money and goes, nah, what am I gonna do with it? I ain't got no place to put it. Just give it out to the captains. It's all about giving. When you have so much that you don't even know what to do with it. There's a difference in mafia bosses, my friends. What we have today than what we had in yesteryear. The different Costa The fight game, the boxing game, they controlled that. We're going to look at uh, Union 608, they controlled. A thing called the New York City Central Labor Council controlled. Junkyards, every junkyard in New York City controlled. The airport, we told you that they controlled. Hudge Point, where all the food was distributed in the Bronx, they controlled. Kosher chicken controlled. The Casey Crime Family, Tommy Lucchese. The Garment District, Casey Crime Family, Tommy Lucchese. We're going to look at uh, the ballot and how they controlled elections, how they paid off cops on the pad. And of course, we're going to look at other bosses, current and that came after Tony Ducks Corrales. It's going to be an interesting six months, so I encourage everybody to listen. Also, to wrap up what we're going to be doing up next, episode 224, The Season of Opportunity, part of the AWOL series, The Word of God, that comes out June 6th. June 9th, The Checkout, episode 225, you know, all the hoopla when you graduate from the academy and you're starting police work. Well, this is when it's time to leave. The hoopla is not there. And you got to do what's called a checkout. Sometimes it takes a day. Or like in my case, it took three days. And uh, it's a very somber moment that nobody really cares. Oh, I did 30 years. I, I, I. Drop your tin on in the box and hit it. So that's coming on. Uh, that's coming up. 
called to check out episode 225, June 9th, June 13th, If My People, part of the AWOL series, June 16th, Tactical Shooting Handgun with Kilo Sierra, that's episode 227, Kilo's going to spell out Tactical Shooting Handgun and especially the course that he teaches, so a must-listen for those gun enthusiasts. June 20th, episode 228. He noticed the fig tree but remained hungry, part of the AWOL series. June 23rd, WCP 320 carry Wilson Combat. Does my gun have to be so expensive? Or is it really that expensive? Episode 229, that's going to be a good one. June 27th, to whom shall I speak and give warning? Episode 230. And of course, we wrap up the month of June with the candy store. Mr. Brown's Candy Store, episode 231. A lot of... uh, Good shows coming up on the Wise Guys series. We're going to talk about the Lucchese crime family, and we encourage you to come on aboard and pay attention. We've got some good stuff to talk about. You know, somebody told me, well, you know, you come up sometimes with some of these fact-finding things that there's no document that indicates pretty much what you're talking about. And an example of that is what I told you, that there was a successor that was picked from by the boss and would be approved by the captains. And so a lot of people won't really reveal that in FBI wiretypes and stuff, stuff like that because these are bosses that are making these decisions and captains. But there's a thing that we do on this podcast that you're not going to find on other podcasts. Not only do we read the evidence, there's a bunch of evidence out there in court documents. We also read the history. But we also have to predict what the crimes are going to be and how the moves are going to be made. Human behavior and criminal element is an investigative tool that is used in police work. So I could tell you from the personality of a Tony Dux Corallo compared to a Fecamuso that would replace him. Two different worlds, my friend. Two different worlds. How do I know? Based on what they controlled and based on their past history. As an investigator, it kind of tells you which direction you're going to go. Not going to hear that on a bunch of other podcasts because all they do is just read from court documents and he was born in 1919. That's all they say. So we come up with uh, a little bit more evidence and we also look at the factual history because the factual history will determine the future of that family. Anybody that says that John Gotti was a total success for the Gambino crime family is a fool. He nearly ruined it. He crashed it into a tree. He had the FBI pick up every form of intelligence. He had had his soldiers and his captains reporting in weekly. 
It was like a marathon of taking pictures, identifying people. Intelligence was rampant. The FBI couldn't keep up with all this stuff because the individual was too narcissistic and wanted to be the center of attention in a secret society. Not a good combination. It would affect the Gambino crime family for a decade. And then he put his half-cocked brother as boss after his son ran out of there. It was one debacle after another. But then a bunch of Sicilians took over the Gambino family. Today, they don't even know what's going on over there. They're under the radar. Old school again. Works every time. As always, it is my honor and pleasure to be your host on Radio Cop Podcast. Continue to pray for yourself because without you in the game, we have nothing. Continue to pray for your family, for your community, for the law enforcement agencies that serve you. And most importantly, continue to pray for the United States of America. This is Alpha Mike, and I'm out. Three, two, three. Four, three, two, 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 three,